This is Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Call the show now at 760-480-8477. Email us at officehours at wscal.edu. Now, Scott Clark. Longtime listeners to Office Hours will know the name Fikret Bocek. We interviewed him back in July of 2010. Here we are nine years later, and Fikret is still here, which is no small thing, as you will hear in this interview. He's a 1998 graduate of Westminster Seminary, California, and the pastor of a Reformed congregation in Izmir, Turkey. You know this city from your New Testament. In the first century, Izmir was known as Smyrna, and you've read about the church in Smyrna in the Letters to the Seven Churches in Revelation chapter 2. To that church, our ascended Lord Jesus said, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews but are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. That's Revelation chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 from the English Standard Version. And that letter is particularly notable because it's maybe the only one where the church is not rebuked for something. And that's interesting. Well, if you know a little bit about church history, you might know that one of the most faithful and famous pastors in the ancient church after the apostles was Polycarp, who was pastor there until his martyrdom at the hands of the pagans, particularly the Romans, in the 150s AD. Pastor Bocek planted a Reformed congregation in Izmir around 2009, although the work to prepare the ground for that work began much earlier than that. This year is the congregation's 10th anniversary, and it is a good time for us to get caught up since the last time we had a chance to talk, at least in the studio. The time in between the first interview and this is interesting, and as recently as the summer of 2018, Fikret had his bags packed and was uh, waiting possibly to be arrested by the authorities. If you paid attention to the news, you might remember the arrest and release of the associate reformed pastor, Andrew Brunson. Fikret himself has had some interesting encounters with the authorities. We'll let him tell that story. And he's also busily translating a number of reformed works into Turkish, as well as conducting his pastoral ministry, about which he'll tell us in just a moment. I can say that he's had a fruitful ministry, so much so that he has sent us two students, one of whom is ministering currently in the USA, and another is uh, here studying presently. So, listener, your support of the seminary, whether by prayers or finances or both, is helping to take the gospel to the world. Well, Fikret, hi, and welcome back to Office Hours. Hi, it's great to be back. For the listener who hasn't heard, tell us very briefly how the Lord brought you to faith, because it's a great story. I know yes. you've told this a million times, yes, yes, but it's encouraging. Yes. I grew up as a as a Muslim not uh, knowing anything about the cross of Christ. Muslims don't believe that Jesus is crucified. So I went to a library uh, looking for information about that. But the first reason I started asking questions about the cross was uh, because I saw a movie called Ben-Hur, and Jesus was crucified at the end, and that I started questioning. And that uh, took me to libraries and looking for books. And finally, I met a couple in Istanbul who were Christians. They were on their honeymoon in Istanbul. And we started talking, and I saw that they had a Bible and asked them if uh, I could take a look at it. And so I asked them questions. They answered my questions. 
I was under the impression that the Bible was just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as many Muslims would think. And uh, seeing that there was a book called Genesis and a book called Revelation, I started asking them questions about this. And they said, well, there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. And so this kind of uh, uh, made me more curious about, so what are, is the Old Testament about? What is the New Testament about? And uh, ask them if they could just give me a summary of this book. And they started reading Genesis 1-1, and they read the whole chapter, and I was thinking, I had asked them if they could summarize it, and they're reading the whole thing. <laughs> um, and they said, they'll just read the first three chapters. And as they read, they would stop and talk about sin and how we sinned against God. And that's why we die. That's why we are sick. That's why Christ had to come to take our sin upon himself and heal us. My question was, did Jesus die on the cross? But their answer was yes, and this is why. They also told me something I'd never heard before, and that is resurrection. I'd never heard that Christ was risen. And later they um, invited me to a church. There is still a Dutch chapel in Istanbul. Uh, it was English speaking for the international community in Istanbul. So I was invited there, went there with a friend who was preparing for 1988 Olympics. Uh, and I thought, well, he's a strong man. So if we got in trouble at church, he could stand up and run and I would hide behind him and we would run out. So, uh, but we listened to the service. And at the end of the service, we were introduced to a German missionary who then took us to a Turkish church plant. It was an underground church. It literally was an underground church. We met some other Turkish Christians. I was thinking I was the only Turk who was asking these questions. But seeing other Muslim converts was really encouraging. Later, uh, I was given a, a Bible, and I started reading the New Testament. As I was reading it, I was attending their Bible studies, I was attending their prayer meetings, Sunday services, and with lots of questions. Main question that I was stuck at was uh, the deity of Christ. Is Jesus... God? Or are we making him a God? So as I read the Old Testament and the New Testament, I was realizing that Christ himself made these claims that he is God, especially reading the Gospel of John, you know, his ego eimi, the I am sayings. I also thought, well, the experts at that time who would understand what Christ was claiming were the Pharisees. They knew exactly what Christ was saying. So over time, I realized that I was being drawn to this book. And even though when I told myself, you should not become a Christian, just stay away from this, I would just leave the Bible and get out. But something just kept drawing me back mm. into this book. And I kept reading it. I remember one time I gave it to a friend and told him not to give it back to me. <laughs> and I had to go back and... Sort of like the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. I had to go back and ask him to give it back. And he wouldn't. And I threatened him. So I got the book back. <laughs> this German missionary asked me, so what is keeping you to say that you believe in Christ? Well, there was nothing. It's just, as a Turk, I was very stubborn and did not understand the fact that a Turk could not be a Muslim. Yeah. To be a Turk is to be Muslim. That, so it seemed like to become a Christian might be repudiating your national ethnic 
cultural heritage. Yes, yes. You know, Luther and Calvin, when they talked about yeah. Islam, they would use the Turk. Turk. Yeah. The Turk. When they meant when they wrote Turk, like the Turk is the body of Antichrist yeah. and the Pope is the spirit of it. Was yeah. that Calvin who said that? It, it or could have Luther, been. Maybe? They did talk about all Muslims as Turks. Yes. And they meant it was a synecdoche. They meant the part for the whole. Yes. But it sounds like if you're Turkish, it could sound like a whole hearted assault on all Turks. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I realized that there isn't really anything else. I had faith in Christ. I understood that he died on the cross for my sin to save me. You're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. And you got over the problem of the death because obviously Muslims deny that it was Jesus who died. They think somebody else was on that cross. So you accepted that, yes, it was Jesus. He was on that cross and he really did die. And he was raised. Yes, yes. I understood it's a historical fact, not just from the Christian perspective, but also from the Jewish and Roman perspective mm -hmm. that he really died on the cross. And I had faith in his resurrection uh, as well. Mm. So. That is a great story. And I would urge the listener to go back and find that episode. We'll uh, link to it on the website at wscal.edu slash office hours. And when this episode is posted, we'll make sure to put that episode up there so you can find it. But if you're listening by subscription and it comes to your phone, you'll have to go back to that page and find that. As I say, you'll be glad that you heard that story. Well, you have been in the news somewhat in recent years, and not just in Turkey, but all over the globe, and particularly in connection with the story of Andrew Brunson. And you are probably bolder than I am. I always urge caution, you know. We don't want to say uh, things that would complicate your life. But what can you tell us that would help the listener understand your current situation in Turkey? Yes. In 2006, we rented this place in Izmir. We were looking for a place where we could be out in the open so people could see where the church is and they weren't coming to our home meetings. Yeah. So it would be better to have a location downtown. We used that place for almost three years until we were able to purchase our own place. We're now in a business center, eighth floor of a business center, and God is blessing uh, us through that uh, location. Can you see the harbor where you are? Yes, we can. We're right at the harbor. It takes okay. us about 30 seconds to walk to the <laughs> harbor. Okay, this is important because people take cruises that stop in Izmir. So, listener, if you're on one of those cruises and you stop in Izmir and it's Sunday, there's a place for you to go to church. Yes, from the cruise dock to our church is not even one minute walk. Okay, there you go. Yes. It could not be more convenient. Yes. Uh, so back to the building we were renting, as we vacated that place and moved to our new location in 2009, a year later, Andrew Brunson and his church rented that place. Oh. And so that is the only connection we have. I mean, I knew of him and I met him several times, but our paths never really crossed a lot. The prosecutor in Izmir even looked at our phone records to see over the past 20 years, we called each other and they found out that either Andrew or I, we called each other once yeah. and that was it. Yeah. So what the indictment says against Andrew Brunson is that Fikret Bojek, myself, hired Andrew Brunson, brought him to Turkey and gave him our building downtown, oh, and that man. way... It's a conspiracy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so they called him a CIA agent, and they called me the handler. 
director of CIA, who's I mean, I I know I laugh, these things. But this is serious business. Very I mean. serious business. Uh, these things happen they, in movies, you know. When they come to your door, you know, right? And uh, they're not carrying water pistols. That's right. Yeah. I'm laughing because it's absurd, but it's also. Obviously, when you're on the receiving end of this sort of harassment, it's serious business. Yes, the prosecutor or other authorities never came to me or investigated the fact、yeah. that building does not belong to me. We were renting; we were regularly paying rent, but my name was mentioned there. Then they had an,、uh, some secret witnesses、mm -hmm. against Brunson who also mentioned my name, so it was in the news. It was in the news in、um, Turkey. You know, if they're Thinking or suspecting that you are working for another government, anything can happen. Not just in、and、a that's court. That's the root of the suspicion and the that is the fear and the hostility. That you're not really there for purely religious purposes, but you're there for some covert political purpose. Yes, yes. So I attended all of the court hearings, hoping that they would ask me some questions. But they said, "Well, Fikret, you are a suspect, and after Brunson, you will be tried." You're next. Yeah. Yes. So, well, they're <laughs> that, not that, trying me yet. That's but, not encouraging. Yes. I never dreamed that there would ever be a crisis on the doctrine of justification among evangelicals, since that's what's defined our faith historically. All evangelicals have embraced historically the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Until now, R. C. Sproul for Westminster Seminary, California. This is the first time in history that I know of professing evangelicals have negotiated that doctrine by entering into unholy alliances with people who categorically. Rejected, but that's one of the things I love about Westminster Seminary. This is one of the few seminaries in this country that is acutely conscious of this crisis and is zealous to maintain the central importance and the central truth of justification by faith alone. People are always asking me where to go. My favorite seminary in the United States, in the whole United States, is Westminster. Westminster Seminary, California. WSCAL.edu. Eight 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 four eight zero. 8474 Westminster Seminary, California, for Christ, His Gospel, and His Church. Okay, so you're still a little bit under the microscope. That's right. Yes. Oh. Okay, so listener, you have your marching orders. You need to pray for Fikret for his ability to keep preaching the gospel and to be a faithful witness. We've had、uh, at least one famous martyr in、uh, Smyrna. We don't really want another one. It's in the providence of God, of course. And Fikret made that clear. You know, years ago when I approached you, I don't know if you remember this. I remember it very clearly. I said, "Now, Fikret, this was in the very early days of podcasting, and not everybody quite understood." How it worked? I said we're going to record this, and it's going to go on the internet, and we can't control who hears it. So it could be that people in Turkey could hear this, and I don't want to create problems for you. And you said to me, "Go ahead and put it on the internet. We have nothing to hide. We're ready to die." In fact, you went on to tell me, "Don't pray that we won't be persecuted." And I must confess, I have not always been <laughs> obedient to your instructions. So that's what we're dealing with here. Listener is a faithful minister who's committed, so committed to the truth that he's willing to endure whatever comes with being a servant of the Word of God. So this is the tenth anniversary of the founding of the congregation. Is that right? Yes. Well, that's amazing because outside of your congregation and prior to this congregation, there was not a great number of witnesses in Izmir to the gospel. 
Is that accurate? Yes. Well, before our congregation, there was uh, no Reformed churches. So ours is the first Reformed church in Izmir, yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, 10 years later, you're actually in the process of forming a federation, right? You just sent me a document, the Turkish Presbyterian and Reformed Churches. Yes. And uh, dated May 28, 2019. So how many congregations are in this fledgling denomination? Uh, at this time, we have two congregations. Okay. And we're hoping that the uh, a third one will join us soon. That's amazing. So you started out from nothing. Yes. And you have, during your 10 years, baptized how many converts? Um, not just 10 years, but okay. um, since 2001. Okay, since 167 adults and 11 infants. That's amazing. So 167 people have professed faith and been initiated, and then 11 covenant children yes. have been initiated into the visible covenant community. So this is... Uh, you know, listener, this is apostolic stuff, right? This is Acts chapter 2 stuff. This is the gospel going to the nations and going to a place where there's, I think it's fair to say, a high degree of ignorance and a fair bit of the Christian faith, I mean to say, and uh, some resistance to and hostility to. Again, not to put too fine a point on it, but this isn't, you know, 1965, Right, The world, maybe for Christians in Turkey in 1965, might have been a little different than it is in 2019. That's right, yes. Okay. In 1965, as far as I know, there were two Christians in the whole country. Today, there are 82 million citizens hmm. with uh, probably about 12,000 Christians, wow. half of them attending existing churches, and the other half are, for various reasons, are not able to attend. Sure, not surprising, but in um, culturally in Turkey and politically, there was my impression, and you feel free to correct me, but my impression is that the sort of the mission of Ataturk was to have a secular state. And in more recent years, you know, particularly since the Arab Spring, right, that has changed and that there's the embrace of secularism that is a, a certain degree of tolerance of Christianity and so forth, that's changed. Somewhat. Somewhat. Actually, with Erdogan, the new prime minister in 2002, three things actually started getting better for the church. Oh, that's interesting. It was, okay. it was worse before. Okay, that's uh, contrary to expectations, so yes, that's interesting. Yeah, we were able to start church associations. We were able to freely have meetings, even go out and evangelize, and we wouldn't be arrested. They weren't arresting us. Okay. This was until, I think, about 2016, and after 2016, there was a coup attempt in 2016, and the Turkish government reacted, rightly so, harshly, and started arresting a lot of the culprits for whoever were doing these, the Gulenists, or they would call uh, the Fetullah supporters. And I don't know of any churches who uh, knew any of the coup attempters, yeah. but some in the media started blaming some churches and synagogues and places of, uh, you know, just non-Muslim... Uh, religious associations. That's what, religious associations as well. So nowadays, we're hearing again and again that a lot of church associations are being fined by the state. So we're seeing that kind of uh, persecution. So sort of financial bureaucratic persecution rather than you know, being arrested, picked up and that sort of thing. Yes. And they're using the law heavily against us, just as they use the law against the church in the book of Acts too. How many people are 
if you can say, uh, currently attending the congregation. Our congregation, yes. yes. Well, in any given Sunday, we have about 50 to 60 regular attenders, and sometimes the number can go up higher, but it seems like every quarter, every three months or so, the numbers are going up, the regular attenders are going up. Okay. And when a person in Turkey, an ordinary civilian Turkish citizen, converts from Islam to Christianity and joins the congregation, what happens to them in their life? How does that affect them socially, culturally, with respect to their family? What takes place typically? Izmir is a very cosmopolitan city, so we get converts from conservative Muslim background, converts from secular background, converts from, they don't even know what background they come from. Okay, they, so when you say secular, you mean with no particular religious background or association? They, they would still call themselves Muslims, but More not nominal. really practicing Islam. Okay. Maybe once a year they would join the custom of sacrificing or the Ramadan fasting. Even that, they wouldn't be involved. But they're not at the mosque every Friday. Day, That's same, right. Same yes. Prayers. Yes. So when they're reading the Bible, when they're going through what I went through, it usually takes a, a process, sometimes a year, sometimes sure. less. But during that process, we try to follow up, meet with them and see what they're going through. Usually when they're reading the Bible or thinking about the claims of Christ, they're not really going through any persecution or pressure from their families or employers. But after they become Christians. Some of them go through persecution. One guy, his brother stabbed him because mm. his brother found out that he became a Christian. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, that, that, counts is, that is a heavy uh, persecution. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, ouch. Yeah. Is he okay? He's okay. Oh, good. He's okay, yes. We had to take him to a hospital. Another guy became a Christian and brought his mom, dad, brother and said, okay, I read the Bible and I want you to read it too. And here's the reason why I believe in this. And by the way, I'm a Christian. No persecution, nothing. Nothing happened. His parents, his brother accepted him as a Christian. So you're listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. These stories are really marvelous testimonies to the power of the Word of God, right? We're not even necessarily talking about people hearing sermons. We're really talking about people sitting and reading the Bible in Turkish. That's right, yes. Right? And the Holy Spirit using the reading of Scripture to open eyes and to soften hearts, which That's, is a little bit unusual from our point of view. I mean, ordinarily, we think about people hearing the Word preached mm -hmm. and God the Spirit using that to soften their hearts and open their eyes. Yes. You know, sometimes we think that we're doing the evangelism, we're doing the converting. Once we understand that it's really not us, we obey Christ, we go and we preach the Word. We ask them to read the Bible. If they can't read, and I've met people who cannot read, so mm. we give them the audio Bible. We read it to them, mm. and something happens. You know, if they're God's elect, God starts softening their hearts and starts changing their lives. Going with that faith and knowing that it is Christ who's changing them, it strengthens us strengthens us even when we're at one point a couple weeks ago this guy came to church and he said i want to become a christian because christianity is easier than islam in islam we have to go to mosque five times a day yeah. uh, and you know do this and uh, go to mecca and i don't want to do any of those so that's why i came to church i'm choosing 
to become a Christian. And I said, well, you know, it's not your choosing. It's, uh, you know, if God wants, you will be. If God wills it, yeah. you will be a Christian. <laughs> and here's a Bible. And so we started. I don't know if he will continue coming, but I will keep calling him and see what happens. Yeah. I'm glad you had a chance to talk to him because my first response is, well, it's true that you don't have to pray, you know, face Mecca and pray five times a day and carry a prayer rug. And we are free from those kinds of things. But our Savior did tell us, take up your cross and follow me. And um, there's a cost to that, right? Yes. Uh, yes. the, The cross is a terrible instrument And, you know, we've gotten so used to saying that word, take up your cross and follow me. We really don't feel the force of what Jesus said when he said that in that context. You almost have to translate that word as take up this tool of Roman oppression, systemic punishment, persecution, and ritual public humiliation. Yes. But that's a mouthful. But that's what it means to say, take up your cross, take up this symbol of ritual humiliation and death and follow me. That's more than facing Mecca. We don't do that. Yeah, look at the apostles, right? Yeah, exactly. Except John, all the rest were We're killed in like different, uh, you know, some were beheaded, some were killed by arrows or lance or upside down cross. And yeah, it is, it's not easy. So you're facing this in a way that probably most Western Christians are not facing on a regular basis, that you live with the existential possibility, the real possibility that the authorities could come to your door and say, well, Fikret, it's, you know, it's time to go and off we're, we're going to court and we're going to prosecute you. And Yes, yes. And, we're expecting that, you know, mm-hmm. on any Sunday, sometimes uh, right in the middle of the service, the doorbell rings and we have a visitor <laughs> we've never seen before. Yeah. And we let them in. And, you know, we received a threat in 2016, Easter 2016. Turkish police called us and said they received intelligence. A group is looking for a church to attack. Oh, my. Um, Yeah, that's the other thing that we don't necessarily think about is people from other religious groups who are unhappy with us. Yes. Who might seek to do us harm while we're gathered in public worship. Well, the next day in the news, we saw that they arrested six ISIS members with Mm. a map of our church. Mm. I didn't know about that story either. (laughs) Well, listener, I'm glad you're you're hearing this because I'm hearing some of this for the first time myself. And this is all bracing, but it's also encouraging because Fikret is not over here crying. He's smiling. He's full of joy and confidence in the Lord because he knows to whom he belongs. He belongs to Jesus. And the Lord has called him and the church has sent him. He's ordained and he's fulfilling his office. Lord's Day by Lord's Day, like every other pastor in the world, preaching the the law, preaching the gospel, administering the sacraments, visiting his people, taking care of them. And um, as the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, doing the work of an evangelist making the gospel known to people who haven't heard of Jesus, don't know Jesus, don't know who he is, and have never read the gospel, maybe have been told things about him that are not true. And you're doing all of those things by the grace of God. It's been a joy to have you here. And uh, we will keep praying for you with the confidence that the Lord will continue to use you. Because when you and I talked in uh, 2010, the congregation was much smaller and the number of baptized people was much smaller. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Office Hours from Westminster Seminary, California. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe now to Office Hours in iTunes. Find all the shows at wscal.edu slash officehours. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved.